Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. I have such a treat for you today. Uh, I'm bringing on a friend, the really one of the earliest mentors I had in my own spiritual development. His name is Rabbi Yehoshua Stein. He is currently the director of Me'or Israel and the Mashkiach, which is like the spiritual over, overseer, I guess you can say, of Machon Shlomo Yeshiva in Jerusalem. So Rabbi Stein and I met a long time before he was Rabbi Stein, and it's been a relationship that while we haven't necessarily been in touch for large periods of time, over the course of a decade, Rabbi Stein and I have been in touch and has been, he has been an ongoing source of inspiration for me. We go into how he became who he is today and many of the fundamental concepts that he uses as he guides thousands of people in their most significant journeys to reaching their better selves. So with no further ado, Rabbi Stein. Rabbi Stein, start us off. Tell us about, I remember Great Neck. I'd never heard about Great Neck before I met you. How did you get to where you are today? If you could combine, you know, condense your life into a, a couple of short sound bites. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit wild. I'm, I'm, I'm a Long Island boy sitting here in, in my study here in Harnof, married to an Israeli with uh, Nara, a pack of, of, of Israeli children. And if you would have told me like 20 years ago, 15 years ago, that I would be married to an Israeli living in Israel, I would have laughed. I grew up in a nice culturally Jewish family in Long Island. We, um, we, you know, had a beautiful culturally Jewish life, but not religious. But I was always kind of searching for more. The story I always tell is I remember I was five or six years old in an amusement park. It's called Adventureland, actually, on Long Island for anyone from there. And I remember seeing like these Hasidic people with a yarmulke and a beard and saying to my parents, are they religious? Yeah. Um, they're Jewish, yeah, we're Jewish, yeah, so I don't get it, how come we don't look the same? And, and I don't remember the answer, it was probably something along the lines of, you know, they do what they do and we do what we do and we're all Jewish, but I remember not being satisfied. So the truth is, is that that kind of marks, if, if I were to write a through line of my life, which, you know, I'm using screenplay terminology now for a reason, the, uh, I, I would probably would say that that was the overarching question that I had to figure out is either they're extreme fanatics and, you know, I have it all worked out or maybe they have something that I, I could gain from. And, and, and I was a truth seeker. I, I, I went, so that, that's the story is, is in middle school, I started reading books about Judaism. I started in college learning with a rabbi. There was no such thing as college outreach. I mean, there was, but on an individual level, there was no, I said that, I said that the other day and a Chabad rabbi looked at me like, you know, bloody murder, you know, but individuals were involved in campus, right? But, but, um, but uh, I, I, there was a young Avrech at the time, Eli Schwartz, who was in Lakewood, who would come down and learn with me. He would make like he was coming down to give big classes, but he was just coming down to learn with me. And I went through periods of dumping him and then bringing him back and then dumping him. And um, But basically over my four years at University of Pennsylvania, I became observant and left to go straight to USC film school where I studied film because that was another through line in my life, which was movies and, and video. And um, then I... Um, 
I, in, in LA, became fully, fully observant and then decided at the end of my two years in LA that I don't want to be on the outside my whole life. I want to be on the inside. I, want, I, I remember sitting in a kollel looking at all the svarim and saying, forget the fact that I can't read what's in them. I don't know what the purple one is from the green one. And I want access. It's all there. So I went to Yeshiva. I went to Machon Shlomo for two years. I went to the Mir for almost a decade. Um, and then at a certain point in, in that decade, you know, I was brought into Ma'or and then brought into Machon Shlomo, which we can get into more detail, if, you know, at some point. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. How did you, how did you find that transition from learning to being one that teaches and what do you feel is the unique uh, opportunity that Ma'or and Machon Shlomo offer to people that are looking to grow and people that are looking to, like you mentioned, sort of discover more about who they are as Jews? Okay, two two amazing questions. We went from full-time learning to um, really being there for the Kalal. I remember I got a phone call um, I brought Yoni Greenwald, who is a, a close friend of mine. I had originally introduced to Rabbi Gershenfeld, and he started working on the Moor trips. And at a certain point, he said to me, as he started, he said, you know, you're going to be written off because you're going to dry up and you're not going to understand the world. And you're not going to be able to relate to and be that teacher that everyone thinks you can be. And it takes a good friend to kind of, you know, sock it to you and say, stop being so closed off and narrow. There's a big world out there that you have to connect to. So I took the job of, of, of running the trips. And I remember I would, I had my, I would, you know, in the mirror, no one wears a tie. So I'm sitting there learning for a Seder. And then I'd have to run across the, at that time we had all the trips at the Novotel across the street. I'd put, I'd run across the street, putting my tie on, teach a class, run the trip, come back to second Seder, pull my tie off. So nobody would make fun of me at the mirror. And, uh, and that was the balance. I was kind of two-thirds in the base majors, one-third um, running trips. But then it grew. You know, then there was a lot of follow-up to do with students. And then, and then a few years later, Rabbi Gershenfeld gave me a phone call and said, this is it, Machon Shlomo, we have an opening. It's been, a, you know, we, we want to we re- bring new life into the place and kind of remake it. And, um, and I said, oh, but I'm, I have one more year left in the mirror that I wanted to do. I want to finish something. He said, think about it for 12 hours and get back to me. I called my Rebbe, my other Rebbe, Rabbi Elephant. He was in America. His wife gave me like the bat line in America. And uh, he called me back within three seconds. And he looked at me and he said, he, over the phone, he said to me, you don't turn down this type of opportunity. And, and, and that's something that sticks with me that Rabbi Elephant always said to me is you don't live, we don't live a bidyevid life. We live a lichachila life. And if at any point a person thinks that, oh, you know, I'm going to go, lear- I'm learning and I'm steiging, but, you know, bidyevid, I need to, I need to go teach because I need, it's the other way around. It, we decided it's lichachila, it's first choice for me to come and teach. It's not that, oh, it, because of this or because of that, opposite. It's what's going to fire me up. And, and, and since then, I saw, you know, there's, Midrashim and Avram Avinu, the special brachas that come to somebody who's involved in the Klal in their own personal learning. And, um, and it was a balance that over the years went from full learning to basically full teaching. Of course, maintaining time to learn personally, which is, I think, crucial that everybody has to have their own learning that they're doing not for teaching and just for themselves. But that, that's, the, uh, that's the basic flow. And just one more point is, is that, you know, everybody 
wants kind of a stellar to uh, a, 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 you know this big position to teach and the truth of the matter is i always say that the people who are the best teachers are the ones who are out there on the front lines you know rabbi rupp is the best teacher because if if you learn for 10 years torah and then you can't explain i always tell the students if you can't explain to your grandmother bari and shema if you can't explain to your grandmother um, the sugya that you're learning in yeshiva, then you didn't really integrate it inside yourself. And if we can, if we can bring it all the way down, that's education. That means that a I learned, and b I'm a good teacher. So it's the opposite. The best teachers are the ones that go out to the young professionals, go out to the campuses, go out to Machon Shlomo, go out to people who are coming from far away, and they can take the depth of Torah, bring it down to that level. That means they really know it themselves. What you mentioned was such a profound concept. Everything was profound so far, but the idea of being drawn in two different ways and how your rabbi clarified for you. Tell me a little bit about that experience that you had this desire. You wanted to finish, you know, a, a te- I guess a 10th year and then this opportunity opened up and I guess what inside you felt that this was what you were essentially had been called to do. I mean, it wasn't, what, what was that that made it such a compelling offer for you? And how were you able to rectify that with the quote unquote, classically Jewish right thing to do, which is to say, you know, I, I, again, I think that there's a lot of that, you know, how do you find that direction in your life and how are you, you know, ascertaining which one is truly the, the the first choice for me? I, I'm a very completion-driven person. I, I, anything I start, I want to finish. You know, and um, I think that was the battle, is that I had a certain goals I set for myself in the learning that I said, ooh, this goal, I, ha- I was close, I was kind of narrow-minded that completion means finishing that, that goal. And, that, and of course, once it was brought in for me, that completion means doing whatever it is, is like you said, your tafkid and the right thing, your purpose. I always believed in Klai Yisrael. I always believed in, in the need to give to Klai Yisrael, to take care of Klai Yisrael, to serve Klai Yisrael. But I was caught in this trap of, oh, my personal goal here is what's going to be, is, is the need right now. When I realized that, no, that can be finished simultaneously and that can be done in a slightly different order. No, keep your eye on the bigger picture, which is completion really means taking care of the cloud and, 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 and you've built up enough that you have what to give right now that it would be a tragedy to not take this window where you can start to give. You know, like famous Rev Dessler, you know, we're we're not taking, we're receiving. There's a certain amount you load yourself up to, which is not selfish because eventually you're going to go give it. And it's all about figuring out the right time you've built up enough that it's time to switch into the giving. And then that changes everything retroactively that you did, of course, into a selfless endeavor. So you you mentioned in our pre-interview discussion or that you are, you know, essentially working two full-time jobs. You also have a family and a marriage and and everything like that. Where do you get your source of? I think balance kind of goes out of the window in any of these types of uh, opportunities and 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 jobs. From where do you find yourself having that major point of your own growth and? How is, are you open to evolutions in terms of what you're doing and, and projects and how do you deal with new, new things that kind of come your way? What's, what's your approach on that? Um, it's, it's, it's a lot to balance. It's true. Um, you know, as, as we talked about, I, on the one hand, um, 
I have a unique, I can think, vantage point here in that I, I, I've, I get to sit with students in their fraternity house on campus in their room and then work with them to come to an Israel program and then on the Israel programs wrestle with what's going on in their life and their decisions. Then they come to yeshiva, learn with them for two years. We do Gemara, we do Musa, we do, we do Hashkafa. And then going out into the world, um, now it's walking to the chuppah, now it's Mazel Tov, you're married, now it's the bris, now it's everything that comes after marriage and integrating into a community. So it's, you know, it's around the clock, the, between the phones and the emails of the people, the new people coming in and the new, and the people that you, that, that are your children, that you, 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 it's not stay in touch with, it's, 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 I think about, I go to sleep with, I walk around with, there, the, 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 uh, there's a, a lot on the plate. Then as, you know, really, the, 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 the key is, I think, remembering that, of course, my own family has to come first, my wife, my children, and making sure that there isn't a lot of quantity time when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're working for the Klal and you're, and you're, but there's quality time, and there's making sure that there's Kesher and bedtime and a story, and when your child asks you a random question at night that has nothing to do with the day, so you realize, you know, that's, an opportunity to connect. He's trying to connect right now. It means nothing. You think it means nothing when he tells you about what his Mora said or his Rebbe said, right? But it's it's a moment where he's reaching out to Tati to connect. I grab onto those moments. So I'm always, to answer your question, I'm always trying to A, um, focus in on precious family moments and B, while I'm dealing and trying to help with everyone, you know, everyone's own issues in life, I'm trying to be, make time for my own personal learning, which we spoke about, and see, I'm always keeping my ears open for innovation. The, the, there's not a year that goes by that I don't rewrite sheet where I'm, you know, uh, above me is, is files, I don't know how to do this, is files of, of, of you know, Mahon Shem, Maor Shem, this is, you know, and, and papers get ripped up, and we start again, and we rethink, and this generation, and the issues with boundaries, and the issues with, with attention span, um, how are we going to innovate the trips? What are we going to do for the yeshiva? We're thinking of making a whole different program for Elo. We're thinking of making a Derek Eretz Kodem Latorah program because of how many things people are missing from what, what you and I, Jacob, I, I also researched you. You know, I, I, I watched your episode zero in which you uh, talked about why you started this whole podcast thing. And you grew up in, in what you said was a normal family, you know, a normal's relative, but nowadays, I don't know what, I, I, people are not growing up with what you and I grew up with. They're not growing up with that mother that you grew up with, Jacob, that said you can do anything that you put your mind to and, and you believe in yourself, right? They're not, they're not growing up with responsibility, Rias as being a huge value. They're not growing up with grit and hard work as being something that the culture trains us in because everything is made super easy. These are things that even in Long Island we, we grew up with. And so we're thinking about, you know, revamping the, the Elul to be things that, things that were never, things that need to be get as a prerequisite to even begin a religious life. So I'm using that as one example of constant need for innovation. Um, I hope that answered a little bit of what you asked me. Well, we, I want to circle back because one of the things that I had asked, and I think that this is one of the amazing things that I know about you and about your program, is that, is that what you feel like is the most crucial element in terms of building what the, quote, generation needs? I'd ask, you know, what, what sets Ma'or apart and what sets Machon Shlomo apart? And I, and I think you sort of almost alluded no, to it. No, I didn't answer. I was, I was so bo- I'm so glad you came back to it. I was so bothered. Like, oh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna it. find a way to bring it back. I'll put a big banner behind the behind the behind the, Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go for it. It was two questions in one, and I only answered one of them. I know, I know. <laughs> Watch out! I have a radar. The the um, yes. What what makes Ma'or Machon unique, and and really what what um what needs to be accomplished with young men, uh, in their twenties, is and I think young women as well, obviously, is um. Some of the things we talked about. I remember on a more trip, a student from Michigan stood up at a Shalashudas and he spoke about two camps in his town, two summer camps. One was like the primpy, prissy camp where you were, you were pampered, and the other one was where everyone in the camp had a job and you had to take and you got a job for the summer and and you had a you had to, you had to work for, at that camp. And he said, and at the end of the summer, we did a survey among all our friends, and everybody unanimously at the second camp was on fire about the camp and the first camp they weren't counterintuitive. You would have think I want to go to a country club. I'm not sure that that Shalashudas Drush would be true today. That, that was about 10 years, maybe eight years ago. I, I, I think people, so we talked about the need, how are people going, Jacob, you and I both know a life where you're working for the cloud, you have wife, you have kids, you have all kind. every child's a different project, every student's a different project, every shear's a different project. So is it an easy life? No, it's one of the, it's not, you know, for, we've all tried to burst this bubble of like being from as being easy and happy in that perfect Shabbos table, right? We, so we, we do a big job, by the way, in the second year of Machon Shlomo doing what I call the integration VOD, where we work with them deeply on what it means for a Baal Chuba to be going out into the, the big from world and what issues he's going to encounter and try to burst all the bubbles. But you can just but, have him come to my Shabbos table and watch what happens over there. That's it. <laughs> I'll just send them out to San Diego. Right, exactly. Example. Exactly. But, but that's the point is, is that, 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 that's, that's a How is any, how are we going to begin Torah education until we implant hard work and the ability to be so to be able to take things and to be able to have broad shoulders and carry so that's part of it. The other part of it is, is, is I alluded to before, is that people are not, people need to tap into who they are and what their greatness is. And that's a huge, or Mahon Shlomo, what, we're centered around helping people connect to the deepest parts of themselves, which is connecting to a Kodesh Baruch of course, but we have a systematic approach to identifying strengths. This is not self-help. This is not lightweight. This is Rabbeinu Yona in, in, in two or three different three different places. This is the Shev Shmaitza. This is this is you know Reb Dessler. This is um, this is the Zohar on Parshas Yisro. We're, we're not that a person's tough kid lies inside of himself and 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 the DNA is in there. We have to help them unlock it. So a lot of what we do is work with each person through Torah sources. We built workshops, we built we built exercises, we we built Torah sources that we go through to help somebody identify and clearly label what are my co-hosts, what are my relationship strengths, what are my what are my community needs, what are my career needs. And it's and once once Rabbi Yerucham Namir was, was big on this, once a person aligns himself with his greatness, a lot of the other things which are based on insecurity and Yitzhaharas melt away on their own. So we have a tremendous amount of time. You know, when I grew up in Long Island, I'll give you an example. I grew up in Long Island and as we've said seven times already, and 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 what do you what do you what do you do when you're on Long Island? You you you're either a doctor or a lawyer, except you don't pronounce it that way. You pronounce it doctor lawyer, right? And 
And when I, I remember, I have these hands here that are, that are pretty big and people tell me you're nice. So I, was, I remember being a kid being told that I would make a wonderful surgeon, right? And, and, I, and, and, and I remember um, my parents bought me a game called Stocks and Bonds. It was my favorite eight-year-old game. And at all the parties with all the cousins, when they would say, what do you want to be when you're eight years old and you're nine? What do you want to be when you grow up? I'd say investment banker. Now, I still don't know what an investment banker does, but that was what you said on Long Island. So I'm telling you right now that if I would, if I became an investment banker, I would be, I wouldn't be up on, I wouldn't have the energy that I have doing what I'm doing. If I was a surgeon, I want you to look at the, the, the screen closely. I'm right. I have a slight tremor over here. My father has it also. I would be a terrible surgeon, horrible. The key is getting the societal voices out and tapping into what I'm built for. And if I line that up with who I marry, where I live, what I do for a living, what I learn, which, which sugiyas I learn, which chalakim of Torah I learn, how I learn it, and, and in what format, I'm in the zone. And then I have a life, it might not be easy. I might not always be happy. But it's, it's the flow comes through. The, I'm connected to, to Kodesh Baruch Hu, so the flow comes through and I have energy. And I and and I'm and I'm in, it's the best way I can describe it in the zone, and that's what that's what we're trying to help each individual tap into. I'm so sold. I actually just rewind a couple of years. Um, amazing. So tell me, tell me a little bit. We love about, seeing you at Orsamech. Come on. Yeah, a, no, no, it's great. No, but I'm saying I think that I think that as you get older, as you get older, and this is something that maybe you could weigh in on. Things get a little bit cloudy. You know, it, it's one thing to be 20 years old and have all of these. Uh, you know, you have these broad visions in front of you and what you want to accomplish, but have you found that as you get older or the people at least that you counsel um, as they go through all of these life changes and, you know, the, the responsibility to provide a, a livelihood and, and marriage after this, the, the first time, you know, hurdle of finding the person, actually now you're like been married 10 years, like what's, you know, what does the next step look like or what does it look like when I'm raising our children? Is this a process that you're supposed to be going through somewhat consistently or how do you, how do you sort of re-clarify or tap into that kind of post-yeshiva? Uh, that's the sugiya right now is is helping everybody post yeshiva. It's really something that we're all involved in. I think it begins with the yeshiva has a responsibility to do a lot of that work. We we come out with with in our note in our dasatz menuvadim the the students come out with massive notebooks of exercises connected to Torah sources that we then go through. We have an all-night meeting. They've labeled a chart that they come out with identifying these different categories that we said. So at least they're standing with some type of map to make the decisions of who I'm going to marry, where I'm going to live, what I'm going to do. And of course, it, it over time, it, it, um, it gets adjusted, but they have the tools. There are tools, but Dessel, Revolvi, many sources that give you tools on how to recognize what your drives are. So that gets evolved over time. Secondly, we do a preparation, the integration VOD of going through, even though they're not married yet and they don't have kids yet, we do try to set up the headlines of what's going to be. And we, and you know, you, you record everything, you know, so like save these recordings, you're going to need them. And and thirdly, we talk about the need for having a mentor, having a Rebbe, and while they do stay in touch with us in Eretz Israel, and we go, we, we make it our business, um, you know, in a month from now, I'll be going in, Rabbi Gershom goes in, we go in um, to do these reunion weeks where we meet up with the alumni, our emails, our phones all the time, but we, 
the, we, we cannot overemphasize the need to find a local Rebbe that they, and a Rebbe can be in different formats. And, and by the way, you can't, you can't always find the Rebbe, the POSIC, and the person who gets your background in one person. You have to, and go into the kollel and pay somebody, find a role model and say, I, I'm gonna, I know you have a lot of things going on in your life. I'm gonna, I, want a, I want a few hours a week or whatever it is. I'm paying you for what you could be doing with that time. You use it to learn it with him. You use it to follow him around. Why reinvent the wheel? Find somebody with five kids more than you, three kids more than you, and, and, and download and do shimush. Shimush yoter right? So it, it doesn't have to be a guy with a big white beard. And um, so there, there are, between the work we do in yeshiva, between the headlines we try to set them up with, and between the encouragement and the sometimes hand-holding to help them find local mentors. We hope that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, their life is, is, is adjusted properly to, to, to be that more dimensional person that they're going to come to be. In addition to really, you know, I always joke like these, each bag under the eye is a different hour of the night. We, this, we, we care, we love, we're there, and, and we try to do whatever we can. So speaking of having a Rebbe, I know that, you know, I've, I've always really been very impressed by Rebbe Gershenfeld. And I don't know if you would consider him to be your primary Rebbe, but obviously someone that you've been working very closely with for, you know, well over a decade now. What is that experience like? Or if it's kind of like asking, like, you know, like, what what your mom teach you, you know, but um, what is that? How is that sort of if you could try to narrow down how his influence has sort of shaped your outlook on life or your outlook on, on your Jewish experience or your outlook on education. Where would you, where, how would you like kind of sum that up? The best is yet to come. Rabbi Gershenfeld represents the best is yet to come. He, you know, there's a, Avram Avinu says he was Bobby Yomim. He came with all of his days and the Svasemis over there and everyone understands that each Takufa of his life, he was completely he took with him when he he understood at 80 years old you know how to talk to 20 year olds and 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 how and how to you know there i met roshon zaman auerbach's great grandson whose memory of him is saba chocolate saba chocolate because he was the saba who came with chocolate that always had for the little kids you know he avram avinu no matter what era he was in he was never burnt out he knew a, he knew how to relate to every era beneath him because he took all his days with him. And B, every era he was in, he was actualizing exactly what his role was for that takufa. You know, um, Ronnie Greenwald, Yoni Greenwald's uncle, Zetzal, who was very big in, 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 in from Chinuch um, and in helping a lot of people, a lot of from children who went off the derech and really adopting them and making them as children. He once spoke at a, a, a Gouda convention and he said a number of powerful things that a Greenwald can say. But one of the things he said was that the reason I've been in Chinuch for so long and I outnumber kind of anyone in this room is because I knew at every era what relationship I was supposed to be serving. At 20 years old, I was the big brother. At 30 years old, I was the uncle. At 40 years old, I was the father. At 50 years old, I was, you know, the, the grandfather. At 60 years old, I was the great, whatever it was. He knew, he knew, and, and Rabbi Gershomold's, one, one of his infinite greatnesses is that in every era of his life, he knows what the role needs to be for him and what to empower the next generation to do. 
and that incredible just fire of of endless energy of 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 rejuvenation of literally the best is yet to come that's that's he's always looking on the horizon so that kind of big vision of life zoom out see what like never you're never too old it's never over there's always a big vision there's always a landscape to go up on and then there's, you know, there's a lot of people in my life, you know, Rev. Nassim C. Finkel was my Masada Kedushan, and, and he was somebody that, that represented being above nature to me and just conquering, bringing out that ruchnius that can conquer any kind of bodily challenge. And uh, Rebbe Elephant, my, my, my Rebbe at the Mir, made my shidduch, um, you know, gave me my mahalach and limud, is, is, is everything to me as well. I, I think that Sada Shava between all three of them, I remember when Rabbi Elephant said to me, we we're standing on the streets of the Mir in Beis Yisrael outside Shalmi Simcha, and he said, I'm not going to sleep at night until I walk you to the chuppah. And for a, you know, a, tw- a 26, then 27, then 28, I didn't get to marry until 29-year-old Bachar, to have a, a father figure, my parents are wonderful, they don't exactly, they didn't at the time exactly understand Shaduchim, now, forget it, now they ca- counsel every Machon Shlomo Bachar, but, but, um, to say, you know, the 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 shava between all three of them, I think, is a, is attention to detail. Um, I, I took my son Nathanael Nasanel, if you want to be Israeli or Ashkenazi, we can figure it out. But I took him to his on his on his halakha. I'm not into the scissor thing, but I took him to get a bracha from a Talmud Chacham. So I, I Rabbi Svi, we walked in, and right before I came, he had his gabai go out and get. The, the favorite candy, you know, and, and Natanel had his favorite candy. The attention to detail, um, the biggest people in the world care about the, the most minute minutia because they understand that godliness isn't going all the way down and bringing it up. It's actually the altar of Navardix, you saw it in Madrigas Adam, that, that, that you go down to the, to the Gashmi and you bring it up to the Ruchni. And the, the, the other is Ahrayas, that, that all of the Rebbeim in my life uh, taught me that you, this is, Banim, you know, tamidim kabanim, and your your students are like your children, and 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 the 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 responsibility they took, and that's what I try to do as a rebbe is is I I try to deeply care about everybody's details, and I try to really um, take take that response. I know the graveness of it, and I dive in for the ability to do whatever siyata deshmaya can be given, or whatever vehicle or clea I can be for things to come through. I, I won't. I, I won't sleep until I know the problem is solved with each talmud. I, it's 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 ingrained in me from my rebbeim. It's not. It's not a godless. It's not a don't. It's not a covet. It's it's just. It's it's osmosis, and that's I think the biggest thing you get from your rebbeim. How you get everything in yeshiva everywhere osmosis. You just plop yourself somewhere. And with all the shirim and all the discussions, it's osmosis. It, it comes in. Sorry, it, long answers to, to you know, another rabbi colleague of mine always says, you know, my first name's rabbi, so, you know, we can just talk. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so good. I, in, 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 in in my in my theme so far of asking exceedingly broad questions, which you which you've handled so beautifully, and it's so it's so inspiring. I have this whole page of notes here. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but uh, I'll, I'll look at it. Um, you know, spending so long in 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 your own learning and being involved with so many people and being prepared, you know, preparing all these shiurim. I guess the the guilty the guilty question I'm going to ask, just to completely self serving, is if you could teach one thing, like right now, you know, in terms of what you're what you're learning or a particular idea that profoundly inspires you or that you've used to inspire others, um, what would that, what would that be? 
that's hard. Uh, I think um, I think it would be probably the sugi of Rabbi Chia of um, how he saved the Torah and Klai Yisrael. You know, Rabbi Chia and Rabbi Chia to have a debate over. You know, I'm 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 the activist and I'm in the base midrash, and we need both. But Rebbe and Rebbe says, um, you know, the codifier of the Mishnayos. Rebbe says, you know, how great are the Maisim of Chia. And, uh, and, and I think that's in today's day and age, you know, my, my wife grew up in a rabbinic family and her grandfather is an Altamir. And in his generation, it was Pashit that you, you, you learned. And he, it was Yeshiva Bakatali, he was in his 80s. Um, you know, he, he would come, Rabbi, Rabbi Elephant and Rabbi Fol Shmulevitz, and, and would always joke when they'd see him at a chuppah. He's like Yeshiva Bakr coming to the chuppah and getting right back to Seder. But this man um, built Boys Town, which was one of the first institutions for, for helping uh, troubled people in Israel. He, um, he was a builder. He went around and, and built Yerushalayim. He, they would, you know, I don't know, they would joke. He would, he would come into the mirror every morning and the Jerusalem Post would be like hanging out of his pocket. And he would sit down and steig and then go out there and see what's going on. And it was pushed into those European Yidden that Torah was about going out into the world and about being an activist. So I, I think that's what I try to inspire people is, is, is learn, become a Talmud Chachum, connect to the deepest part of yourself and care about the cloud because Lilmod Almanas Lassos, Lilmod Lilamed and Lilmod Almanas Lassos. It's Pirkei Avos, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 um, Torah, as, as the Maral says, the Lushan of Torah is, it's meant to flow out. It's meant to flow out. And it's not going to be Meskayim unless it goes out to others. So that's, that's I think, the big message I walk around with. There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up. And also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.